So as we turn to uh, Scripture, we're using the set readings uh, for today. They may appear slightly obscure to start with, but hopefully we'll be shedding some light on them as we go. So the first reading is from Revelation chapter 18 and chapter 19, various verses. Begins on page 1256 if you've got a church Bible there. Beginning at chapter 18, verse 1, entitled The Fall of Babylon. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And as we move on to later in the chapter. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said... With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants are the world's important people. But your magic spell, all the nations were led, were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of the saints, and of all who have been killed on the earth. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, shouting, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Alleluia! The smoke from her goes up for ever and ever. Later again in Revelation 19. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then if you'd like to stand for our gospel reading, we're reading from Luke chapter 21. Verses 20 to 28. And again we're looking at the end times, some richer imagery here. Here the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfilment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. 
They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so, Lord God, as we grapple with these rather difficult, challenging passages, may we be open to your Spirit's prompting and leading. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, do sit down. I'm sure you'd prefer uh, something on the parable of the Good Samaritan or something like that. But these are the readings that are set for today, and I thought, let's not shy away from the challenge. It's all pretty bleak imagery, isn't it, in each of those two readings. They're the sort of passages of scripture that maybe we'd be very happy to avoid, full of gloom and doom and destruction. Not your ideal appetizer for the coming season of Advent. Sorry. Battery's gone. Battery's gone. I'll swap to this one. But in their darkness there is light. And in their apparent despair, there is great hope. And God has something to say to us this morning. Each of these passages, of course, were written to people living in dark times, where the harsh Roman regime had little time for the fledgling Christian community, and persecution and death were close at hand. But the language of the end times, although bleak, ultimately offered a message of hope and a message of redemption. There's no time to unpack all of the imagery of these verses this morning, but i really like them to serve as a backdrop for us as we reflect together. But perhaps we do need just a little bit of context, first of all. That passage from Revelation, first of all, John the Divine's great apocalyptic vision, as he looks forward to a new heaven and to new earth and the ultimate fulfilment of God's rule. And in the midst of this vision, he uses the great city of Babylon as a metaphor for all that is evil. And as people heard his words, they would have quickly recalled the harshness of the exile in Babylon in 600 BC and drawn parallels with living under Roman rule in the present. Babylon, in that sense, represented any world order opposed to God. And John foresees the time when Babylon will be no more. He compares her to a prostitute with the the seductiveness of the Roman governmental system using immoral means to gain prosperity. His underlying message is there will be a day when this will be no more. Luke, meanwhile, in similar vein to uh, Matthew and his Gospel, quotes at great length the words of Jesus speaking of the horrors of the end times. But again, he's pointing to the glorious hope of Jesus' return one day in triumph. There will be tough times ahead, 
but the victory has ultimately been won. So each of these writers sees through the darkness to a place of unimaginable light. So I was reflecting on this, it reminded me of C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, and there's a great quote in there as he talks about the main characters in that story. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. In Easter season, we're quick to proclaim, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And we spend a fair bit of time through the year focusing on the Jesus who died and all that means to us, on his glorious resurrection and the implications of that. But perhaps we're a bit nervous about thinking about the last bit. Partly because it's all rather uncertain. It's wrapped up in so much rich and mysterious imagery. And also, you've got the impression that the Gospel writers and even Jesus himself foresaw his return in their generation. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, still waiting. We've given up on trying to work out when the end might come and settle back into some sort of comfortable middle-class Christianity. And yet the message is vitally important. And as we approach Advent, we're reminded that we're not just focusing on the first coming and Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, but very mindful of his return one day in glory. The completion of the story. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And around the perimeter of uh, each of these verses, of these passages, are verses which remind us of the need to be prepared and to stay awake. I don't know if you're like me, and uh, sometimes you're watching a TV programme, and um, there seems to be a bit missing. We've dozed off for a few minutes in the middle. Yeah? It's not only me, I'm glad to hear that. In fact, um, even when I was younger... um, One of my friends was doing a talk at one of the youth camps. It was the first time he'd ever done uh, a talk in front of a crowd of people. And uh, although I was at um, uh, an event in a different part of the country, I thought, I'm going to travel across the country to be there when he delivers that first talk. Now, unfortunately, it was quite a late-night event I was at, and I was quite tired, so I went across to, to hear him, sat in the second row, almost in front of him, where he was speaking, but then I dozed off in the middle of his talk. So I'm not sure he was too appreciative of that. It's easy, isn't it, to uh, doze off. I, when it comes to the TV, I'm very grateful that you've now got the, the rewind button. You can go back and see what you've missed in the last uh, 10, 15 minutes. Well, in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, there are these words. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Blessed is he who stays awake. We need to be ready for when Christ will return. And then a similar sort of sentiment in Luke 21, verse 36. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen 
and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. We need to be alert. We're called to be alert to what God is doing and the way the future is unfolding before our eyes. We don't know when these things written up in Scripture will come to pass, but we need to be ready. And so we stay awake and we serve God's purposes on this earth. I didn't know this until this week, but apparently today is also the day of intercession and thanksgiving for the missionary work of the church, according to the Church of England. So I've uh, asked Mayanne if she would lead on the missionary work of the church with the uh, intercessions. Tomorrow is St Andrew's Day. When I think of Andrew, the first thing that comes to mind is him bringing his brother Simon to Jesus and all that that led to the missionary work of the church. One expression of the missionary work of the church here, amongst many different aspects, is through our mission partners. And it struck me how each of those is fighting the sort of darkness that John, especially in that passage in Revelation, was speaking of. The work of Cap, speaking into the darkness of poverty and debt. Neymar Crafts, combating the harshness of disability and discrimination in Tanzania. Open doors facing up to the cruelty of persecution of Christ's people. Clarence and the school out there at Diplobang, challenging injustice and inequality. Haven Home in India, working with the marginalised and the disenfranchised and empowering them. Mission Direct, raising awareness of mission, bringing hope and light, engaging others in God's missionary work. The harshness of the descriptions in Revelation 18 and Luke 21 may be almost too much to take in. But the fact is that the missionary work of the church, whether it's expressed through those world mission initiatives or whether it's expressed through the week-in, week-out work in this community, face up to these things, challenge these things, provide signs of God's hope and light, making a practical difference in the here and now, shining God's light in the darkness, providing a foretaste of what's to come. Doing so with an alertness to the fact that Jesus' reign will be fully realised when he returns to reign in triumph. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again.